0: Good morning, Cornerstone. It's cold outside and I am warming in the house and I hope you are too. And we wrestled, the elders wrestled as to whether we should cancel service today or not. And in the end, we decided that negative 30 degrees is probably too cold for most of us to be outside. And so I hope you're safe. And I really wanted to give this message today in front of you in person. It's one of those kinds of messages. But we decided it would be better to go ahead and go online for today. Hope to see you next Sunday. Uh, at the church. Let's pray and let's get into God's Word together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. We submit ourselves this morning, Lord God, to your Word. Your word is truth. It is this truth that makes us free. And that's what we pray for today, Lord God, that you would set us free from feelings of guilt and shame and fear. That your Holy Spirit would rest in our hearts, And guard us, guard our hearts and guard our minds from negative thoughts, doubtful feelings, and the destructive forces of shame. I pray, Lord God, for every one of our members today, that you'd give them eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. I confess right now that it's not by my own might or by my power, but it is by your Spirit. So speak to us. Give us the words that will bring new life. And be glorified in all that's said today in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll recall on last week, in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we were considering Elimelech's decision to uproot his family, his wife Naomi and his two sons, to uproot them from Bethlehem and Judah to the land of the Moabites in response to the chaos and the famine that had taken over the promised land. I said it was a practical decision and I believe it was. But no sooner than we are introduced to Elimelech, his wife and his two sons, Elimelech and his two sons, the text informs us they died In Moab, no more than 10 years after leaving the promised land, he and his two sons died and they left Naomi all alone in a foreign country. She lost her husband and both of her sons in one fell swoop. And while Naomi has been busying herself, mourning her dead, planning for her future, She's also been fighting tooth and nail against the oppressive forces of a guilty conscience. Now, if you ever struggle with a guilty conscience, you know what that feels like. A a, a permeating guilt that won't seem to go away no matter what you do, no matter how you try to make amends or how you try to appease. It simply seems to stay in place. It doesn't move and it haunts you day and night. The poet Charles William Stubbs, he sums it up greatly after he was awakened from a long night's sleep of dreadful dreaming, envisioning all of his past life and all of his past mistakes, being judged by himself in his own dreams. He says he was recalling the ghosts Of his forgotten actions and things he thought were dead and this is what he concludes he says I have learned a lesson which I ought to have known before and which though I learned it dreaming I hope to forget no more Though I know of the future judgment, how dreadful soever it be to sit alone with my conscience will be judgment enough for me. The poet is decrying the harshness, the terrible experience of the one who is badgered and judged, ridiculed and sentenced by a conscience that knows no mercy, a conscience that shows no compassion. And so far, Naomi has been able to continue to function like any normal person faced with loss and hard decisions. She's been able to carry on. Verse six says that Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the land of Moab. She's decided she's going home and she's taking her two daughters-in-law with her. That's a good idea. She's going back home to make a fresh start. And she wants to maintain close relationships with these two new daughters-in-law. Because the Bible says here that Naomi had gotten word that the Lord had visited his people by giving them food. And I assume then that's what Elimelech and his two sons were waiting for, for god to visit the people of israel and to give them food they wanted to live out the famine in moab but they apparently intended to go back home at some point and now naomi is following through with those plans verse 7 says that she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law were with her and they went on the way to return to the land of judah That was her plan. That was her idea. But she felt so guilty. And the guilt became isolating. That's what guilt does. Guilt isolates us. And so on the way back to Judah, she's already made her decision, but she changes her mind in verse 8. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go. Return each of you to your mother's house. Go back. I change my mind. I don't want you to come anymore. Go back to your mother's house. And she says to them, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. I change my mind. This is all my fault, Naomi thinks. There's nothing wrong with the two of you. You two are perfect. This is all on me. And I don't deserve you. And you're too good for me. So go back to your mother's house. I'm no good for you. I'm like an albatross around your neck. I don't want to hold you back with my problems, with my sin, with my character flaws. But that's simply not true. Maybe it's her daughter's in-law's fault. Did she ever think of that? Maybe it's not my fault. Maybe it's one of your fault. She never thought like that. It's all my fault. Maybe it's something one of them did that offended God, and maybe it's not you, Naomi. Why are you taking all of the responsibility? Why are you taking all of the blame? Why does Naomi feel the need to take full responsibility for the death of her husband and her two sons? Why is she so determined to see everyone else as innocent and only herself as being bad or being evil? That's a guilty conscience. That is guilt, unnecessary, baseless, guilt. And while she sees herself as more than deserving deserving to suffer, she says to her daughters-in-law in verse nine, may the Lord grant that you may find a place of rest, each one in the house of her husband. Go away, go back. May the Lord give you rest and may you find a new husband. But as for me, as for Naomi, I I don't deserve rest. I don't deserve to marry again. I don't deserve to be happy. But you do. You deserve all the best. Because that's what guilt does. Guilt wishes the best for everyone else, but for itself. Guilt wishes the best for everyone else, but itself. And then when when, when other people prosper, guilt takes that as proof of their unworthiness and of their unrighteousness. Guilt is a deceiver. The Bible says, then she kissed them. After she told them to go back home, she kissed them. And they together raised their voices and wept. Why did Naomi kiss them? She kissed them because she loved them. She kissed them because she needs them in her life. She needs them. They've all suffered together. They're all wounded, and there's nothing better when you're wounded than to have people of like mind to surround you, people who understand what you're going through. She needs them to be able to reminisce about her two sons, to be able to work through and process the pain together. It's better to suffer together than to suffer all alone. She kissed them because she loves them. She kissed them because she needed them. But her guilt will not permit her to have the comforts of being loved in return. Her guilt has convinced her that she is not deserving. She is not worthy even of being loved. Her guilt is the prison guard giving her this final moment to say goodbye to everything that brings her joy. Before he locks her in her cell of unrelenting torment. It's interesting to me as I read this text, the questions that, that that swirl through my mind. Questions like, why won't Naomi just stop for a moment? And think about what's happening to her. Why won't Naomi just stop for a second and recognize that this pain she is causing herself and her loved ones is not coming from God but from herself. If you're feeling guilty today, you need to hear that. The pain that you are feeling is not coming from the judgment of God. It's coming from yourself. And a lot of the, of the pain that you're inflicting upon yourself is coming from feelings of guilt, unnecessary, unwelcome guilt. Naomi is weeping like God is taking Orpah and Naomi away from her. But God is doing no such thing. Naomi is doing this to herself. Naomi is judging herself as being unworthy of love. And she's sending them away and she's crying as if someone is taking them away from her. But no one is. Naomi is the one sending them away. And that's what guilt demands, brothers and sisters. Guilt demands that I harm myself. Guilt demands that I see myself as the villain, that I judge myself, that I sentence my own self. Guilt requires that I judge me, that I dislike me, that I disapprove of my own self. And that is simply not biblical. That is not healthy. When I was a young boy, maybe seven or eight years old, I can't recall, but my grandmother was still alive. And one day I was sitting on her front porch and I saw one of my cousins come out of the house and he was crying and he went over to a bush and he started picking through the bush like he was looking for something he had lost, and I I walked over, I asked him what he was looking for. And he said, Grandma told me to come out here and find a switch because she's going to give me a whipping for something that I did. (laughs) Grandma sent him outside to find his own switch So that she could punish him with that switch. And I remember thinking to myself, even at that young age of just how much trouble I would be in with grandma. If grandma ever asked me to go out and get the switch that was going to hurt me, we would have had a big problem. I would have been in a whole lot of trouble. And she she would warn you, if you don't bring back a good strong switch to whip you with, You're going to be in even more trouble if I have to go and find the switch myself. That's true. And you know what? I would have been in a whole lot of trouble. Because I would not have gone to get the the, the switch in the first place. There is no way I would go and get a switch that was going to harm me. I refuse. Hear me good. I refuse to be complicit in my own hurt and in my own suffering. I refuse to be complicit. I will not be an accomplice to my own pain. And I will not assist anyone in causing me to suffer. (laughs) And you know what? God never asks you to do that. God would never humiliate you in such a way. He may humble you through suffering, but God does not humiliate his children. Don't allow yourself to be humiliated by others. It is not from God. You don't deserve that. You deserve something better. Don't allow guilt to convince you that this is your lot, the lot that you deserve. It is simply Not true. When you think about the people in the Bible who suffered, you think about, for example, think about Daniel being tossed into the lion's den. Daniel didn't get inside the lion's den and start putting his hand in the lion's mouth. If the lions are going to eat me, they're going to have to chase me. They're going to have to catch me. They're going to have to put me down. I will not be complicit. In my own suffering, there's just no way. Some of you listening to me right now, you are being complicit in your own suffering. You've already suffered humiliation. You've already suffered defeat. And instead of taking the time to mend your wounds through prayer, through tears in the face of God, instead of mending your wounds, you're cutting even deeper blaming yourself, chastising yourself, wishing that you were someone else, wishing that you could do better, could be better. Brothers and sisters, that is not from the heart of God. And if God allows us to suffer, it is always for our good to help us to grow, to help us to develop, But humiliation and self-defeat does not help you grow. Being ordered to help my enemy dig my grave is just too much to ask of anyone. I would not be complicit in my own suffering. Naomi has suffered enough. She's already lost her son. She's already lost her husband. And now she herself is adding insult to injury and rejecting the ones who still love her, the ones who are still here. And I see this sometimes in believers where God brings suffering. God allows suffering to come into your life. And somehow in a perverted way of thinking, you take that to mean that God is against you and therefore you're going to assist him and you make your problem worse and worse and worse thinking that you're doing the Lord's bidding. (laughs) Naomi's guilt is advising her that since she has lost her husband, since she has lost her two sons, it must be God's desire that she not have anyone to love. It must be God's determination that she does not deserve to have anyone who loves her in the world, and so now she's trying to help God hurt her sending away her two daughters-in-law. Out of a perverted view of the situation and out of an abundance of pain, Naomi has decided to help God along in his quest to leave her barren without support and without any help. Listen, God does not need you to help him discipline you. (laughs) God does not need you to help him discipline you. God is quite capable of disciplining you when it is necessary. Do not allow a false sense of humility to cause you to humiliate your own self in the name of God. It is a misrepresentation of who he is. It is a misrepresentation of his heart. In short, God never requires that you harm yourself. God never requires that you hurt yourself. And God is not pleased when you mistreat or punish yourself. Someone needs to hear this today. It brings God absolutely no pleasure To see you harm your own self and it does you absolutely no good. Self-harm, self-deprecation, self-sabotage only causes you to distrust yourself all the more. And that snowball effect will lead you into a life of misery and a life of regret that you'll blame on God. But actually... It was all you. Naomi in this text is crying with her daughters-in-law because of what Naomi is doing to them, of what Naomi is doing to herself. But these young ladies seem to sense that something is wrong with this. Something is off about this. Naomi's conclusions don't sound right. So in verse 10, they said to Naomi, no. Ruth chapter one, verse 10. They said to Naomi, No, no, stop. Listen to yourself. Listen to what you are saying. Listen to the condemnation you're bringing on yourself. Consider your words, Naomi. Naomi, if we don't go with you, where will you live? What will you do? Where will you go? No, you haven't thought this thing through enough. No, you shouldn't be making such life-altering decisions while you're still in so much pain. No, and that's a good point. You should not be making life-altering decisions when you are in pain. When your judgment is clouded with tears. No, this decision is not from God. And this decision will not help you in one way or another. No, we do not agree with you. And while none of us like to hear no, none of us want to hear no, none of us like to have our ideas shot down. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, no is exactly what you need to hear. No. You are off. And if you're feeling guilty about anything this morning, if you are feeling guilty about anything, if you're feeling like you're unworthy, undeserving of a better life and a better future because of something you have done, this is what I say to you. No. I do not agree with you. God does not agree with you. And you should not be making such life-forming decisions about yourself while you're still in so much pain. And furthermore, I say to you that you are out of order You are not God. You are not your own God. And you should not be your own accuser. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He is your accuser. And the feelings of guilt that you are experiencing are coming from him and not from God. No. Don't allow your guilt to cause you to self-destruct. No, they say to Naomi. But instead, we will return with you to your people. We want to support you, Naomi. We want to stand with you. But Naomi's guilt overpowers their warmth and their love. Naomi's guilt will not allow her, will not allow their love to reach them, to reach her. And so in verse 11, Naomi said, more sternly this time, return my daughters, why should you go with me? Listen to her guilt speaking. Why should you go with me? Why should you support me? Why should you love me? It doesn't make sense in Naomi's mind that anyone would want to be burdened by her company. She thinks so little of her own self that she has to ask the question, why would anyone want to be with a loser like me? Oh, that's hurtful. It's hurtful to think it yourself, but it's even more hurtful to hear someone else say it about their own selves. Why should anyone want me? I'm a wretch undone. And herein lies the great fallacy, brothers and sisters. Herein lies the greatest delusion that guilt perpetrates against its victims. The idea that if I have nothing to add, If I have nothing to contribute to the greater good, I am not worthy of being a part of community. That is one of the greatest fallacies of guilt. If I don't have anything to contribute, then I am not worthy of being in the community, in the group. As if loving relationship is based on reciprocity, that's not always the case. As if love is merely transactional, rather than being unconditional. Why should you be burdened by me? I have nothing to give you. But these women didn't ask Naomi to give them anything. They want to be a blessing to her, but she doesn't feel like she deserves their blessing because she has nothing to give them in return. So as strange as it may seem, as odd as this may seem, pride is the driving force behind all guilt. Let me say it again. You write it down. If you can't remember, come back to the video. Pride is the driving force behind all guilt. Why do I say that? Because pride expects more from me than I can actually produce. Pride overestimates my capacity, then blames me when I don't measure up to its unwarranted demands, pride. Guilt is the result of me raising the bar higher than God has required, then blaming myself when I can't jump over. Naomi's pride has convinced her that she was of value as long as she had her two sons. She was of value as long as she had her husband. And now that she can no longer have sons, she feels that she is of no more value to them or to the world. Listen to what she asked them. Do I still have sons in my womb that they may be your husband's? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I were even to have a husband tonight and also give birth to sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. She's trying to convince them that She doesn't deserve them and they can't benefit from being around her. No, my daughters, I I have nothing left to give. I am old. Guilt is self-deprecating. I am too old. I have nothing to offer. It's all over for me. My time is up. Guilt. All of these things are the sentiment of guilt I am unproductive I am useless I am tired I am not important I am not relevant you see what guilt is doing guilt is trying to isolate her and guilt is trying to convince Naomi that she is unnecessary that can only lead to depression that can only lead to days of darkness and no light. That can only lead to hopelessness. But Naomi is becoming more and more convinced that she is unnecessary. And this is what happens to us, brothers and sisters, when we find our value in our functions rather than in our essence. When when we find our value in what we can do rather than finding value in who and in what we are. Essentially, like all the rest of us, Naomi is made in the image and the likeness of God. She is worthy and deserving of love and dignity and kindness. But she is basing her worth on her being a wife, She is basing her value on her being a mother. And now that she's no longer a wife, now that she's no longer a mother, Naomi is left without an identity. She doesn't know who she is anymore. She doesn't think she is anything because she has defined herself and her value by her function rather than by her essence. She feels like she's just a waste of time, a waste of space. She doesn't know who she is. Let me ask you the question this morning. Do you know who you are? Do you know what it means to be in the image and the likeness Do you understand the great privilege that God has breathed the breath of life into your nostrils? You are more than your function. You are more than your title. You are more than your capacity and your capabilities. You are more than what you can contribute to the group. You're more than that. You are more than a husband. You are more than just a wife. You are more than a mother. You are more than just a father. You are more than what you can produce. And God loves you because of who you are to him. And who you are to God is who you are indeed. not because of what you can give, not because of what you bring to the table. God doesn't need anything. God loves you because God made you. God loves you for his own reasons which are beyond our imagination. God loves you not because you're smart. God loves you not because you're good. God loves you not because you add value to him. You cannot add any value to God. I know that some of you are going through very difficult times right now. That's why I was trying to make it to church to see you in person today to deliver this message. I know that some of you are struggling right now. I know for some of you it feels like your world is falling apart and you're blaming yourself. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your confusion, maybe you don't feel so good about yourself, but I want to caution you today. To understand that your views about yourself and of your value, your views have no bearing on God's view of you and God's perspective of you is right. And if your feelings about yourself do not align with God's vision of you, then as difficult as it may be, I must implore you to reject your negative feelings about who you truly are. Don't let guilt box you into a corner and demand that you inflict undue pain upon yourself. Don't allow guilt to force you to pay some toll that God has not required. Because the truth is, you owe your conscience nothing. And your loyalty should be to God. Loyalty to God above your own opinions concerning you and what you deserve. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. The love of God never tires. Even when I get tired of my own self, the love of God never tires. His patience never runs out. Even when you become impatient with yourself, God's patience with you never runs out. Let God be your conscience. Let God be your conscience when your conscience gives way to guilt and to shame. Let God be your conscience. David said, let God be true. And every man a liar. Believe what God says about you. More than what you say about yourself and on a more practical level. Let me also say that it may also be that you take yourself and you take your thoughts and your opinions about yourself way too seriously. It may be the case that you take your opinions about yourself way too seriously. You know, it never ceases to amaze me as long as I've been walking with God. It never ceases to amaze me how seriously Christians take their own thoughts and their own opinions. How easily we just believe whatever we think. When the truth of the matter is, That most of our thoughts and most of our opinions are based on misinformation, false information, and sometimes a lack of sufficient information to have any opinion about most things, most of the time. (laughs) But we take ourselves oh so seriously. We take our opinions as truth. But very often we are misinformed and uninformed. And we don't have the right level of information to make certain proclamations regarding ourselves. In other words, brothers and sisters, in other words, you have no grounds to judge yourself because you actually don't know a whole lot about yourself. I'm going to sit for five seconds and let you think about that. You have no grounds to judge yourself Because you actually don't know a whole lot about yourself. You think you do. I'll let that one sink in. Because somebody right now is disagreeing with me wholeheartedly, I'm sure. What do you mean I don't know myself? I've been with myself all of my life. I know me. I know how I feel. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. You don't know. I know me. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know a whole lot about yourself. And if you think I'm lying to you, I challenge you to go and see a therapist. (laughs) If you think you know everything about yourself, I challenge you today to go and see a therapist and you will leave her office having said things you never even knew you thought about a whole host of issues. You judge yourself as if you have all the relevant information about yourself. You think you know exactly why you do everything that you do. But you don't know you nearly as well as you think you do. But God knows you. And God knows you even better than your therapist knows you. But it is your lack of self-knowledge that often leads you to draw improper conclusions about yourself. And then guilt exaggerates your sense of self. Guilt exaggerates your self-imposed suffering. You deserve to suffer more. You deserve to suffer more for what you did. You deserve to suffer more for what you're thinking about. That's what guilt is saying to Naomi, and that's what guilt is saying to some of us today. You deserve to suffer more. Listen to what Naomi says to her daughters-in-law after she's tried her best to persuade them to convince them to go back to their mother's house. I am unworthy. I can't have any more children. I'm not married. You don't have time to wait around for me. I'm just an albatross around your neck. You need to let me go. Give up on me and go back home after she's tried so hard to convince them. Finally, she says to them, It is much more better for me, bitter bitter for me than for you. Go back to your mother's house. I know you're hurting. I know you don't want to leave me, but believe me, my life is much more bitter. It is much more bitter for me than for you. Then why are you doing it? If your decision is much more bitter for you than for them and Naomi, why are you doing this to your own self? it is much more bitter for me than for you. One of guilt's most masterful seductions is to convince you that no one is suffering as much as you are. (laughs) The mother, when she gets ready to spank her child, says, it hurts me more than it hurts you. (laughs) It is more bitter for me than it is for you. That is a seduction of guilt to convince you that no one else is suffering as much as you're suffering. To persuade you that no one can understand your pain because your pain is so unique. And what this does, brothers and sisters, is this kind of guilt locks you into a silent suffering. It makes you suffer all alone because you don't think that anyone else understands you. This exacerbates the isolation and this causes extreme despair in too many believers. I'm the only one suffering like this. No one has it as bad as me. It is more bitter for me than for anyone else. Let me warn you of something. Don't you let those smiles in church fool you don't you let that husband and wife who's always holding hands don't you let that fool you there are people right around you who are suffering just as much as you are you are not alone but your guilt and your shame wants to tape your mouth closed smiles mask your pain And guilt wants to hold you hostage. You are being held hostage, not by God and not by men, but by your own self. It is not more bitter for you than for anyone else. It is Naomi's lack of self-knowledge that is causing her to assume more responsibility than maybe hers to carry. And finally, It is Naomi's misperception of God. This is the most important one. It is Naomi's misperception of God that is the final nail in her coffin of despair. And her final words finally give us a clue as to the source of her guilty feelings. Naomi concludes and says to her daughters-in-law, because the hand of the Lord has come out against me. Wow. Go back to your mother's house, go and find you a new husband. May the Lord give you rest. I am too old, I am unworthy. I can't have sons. I am not married. It is more bitter for me than for you. because the hand of the Lord, has come out against me. Sometimes when tragedy strikes our lives and it seems to come from nowhere, we're left discombobulated and confused. We don't know why this has happened to us. And here in Naomi's anxious search to find meaning in the loss of her husband and her two sons, Naomi has incorrectly interpreted that her pain is due to the fact that God is against her. Never allow yourself to go this far down the hole. Never allow yourself to become convinced that God is against you because if God is against you, then everything is against you. I know you may feel like everything is against you, I know that you've just come out of the frying pan and now you're into the fire. I know it may feel like God is against you. It may look like God is against you, but don't allow yourself to believe that, brothers and sisters, not for one minute. Naomi is convinced that the hand of God is against her. She is so desperate to make meaning, to understand what has happened in her life, that she's blaming it all on God and God's displeasure with her. But you know what Naomi should do? Naomi should take just a moment to test her theory to see if God is really against her. Because right there to her left side stands Orpah. And guess what? Orpah has lost her husband as well. But according to Naomi's own prayer that she prayed for them for rest and for peace and to, to have a house, according to Naomi's own prayer, Naomi apparently believes that God is still willing to bless Orpah. Interesting, isn't it? And just standing right there to her right stands Ruth. And Ruth has lost her husband as well as Naomi. But Naomi prays in faith that God will give Ruth rest, a new husband, and a house. If Naomi really believed that the loss of her husband was a sign of God's displeasure, then wouldn't she also believe the same about Ruth and about Orpah? Wouldn't she view all three of them as being in the same boat? They've all suffered the same kind of loss. But Naomi attributes their loss to, I don't know what she attributes their loss to. Her loss is due to the fact that the hand of the Lord is against her. Well, then how should Ruth interpret her loss? And how should Orpah interpret her loss? It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Guilt is illogical. Why doesn't she just see the fact that that they're suffering as well as me? So maybe, maybe, maybe this didn't come from the hand of God. Maybe God is not against us. Maybe it's just life. Maybe it's just coincidence. No. Naomi says it's her guilt. She's guilty. And the hand of God is against her. Naomi hasn't taken a moment to measure the pain that Orpah is feeling, the pain that Ruth is feeling, because guilt, brothers and sisters, guilt is very personal. Guilt only wants to punish its host, no one else, just you even though other people are going through the same thing or something worse than you're going through. The hand of the Lord is only against you. Hmm. So look at your own life. This is my challenge to you over this upcoming week, to look at your own life and consider how you are interpreting God's perspective concerning your suffering. Consider what God is thinking about your suffering. Then I want you to look at someone else in a similar situation as yours. This is very interesting. You should try it. Look at your situation and consider how God is interpreting your situation. Then consider how you're interpreting your situation. Consider your own guilt This is happening to me because I'm bad. This is happening to me because I'm no good. This is happening to me because I'm evil. This is happening to me because I'm slow. Because I'm too weak. Look at how you're interpreting your own situation regarding yourself and then find someone else who is experiencing a similar situation to yours and watch what happens. Watch how your compassion flows out of you for that other person. Watch how sorry you feel for that other person. Listen to how you pray that God would deliver them and ask yourself the question, why can't I feel the same compassion toward myself as I feel for the hundreds of other people who are in the same situation as I am? Why can't I feel that same compassion toward myself that I feel for other people in a similar situation. Why do I take such a negative view of myself because of my situation, but I don't see other people negatively who are in the same situation as me? That is guilt. And guilt is personal. It is because your guilt expects too much from you, more than you can ever deliver. It is also because your guilt doesn't read the scriptures. (laughs) Your guilt doesn't read the scriptures. Just like Naomi in this text, it may be your lack of biblical understanding that causes you to deduce certain rules from scripture that scripture does not explicitly set forth. Listen, I talked about it last week, that the rule was made that no Moabite should be allowed to enter the assembly of Israel for 10 generations. Do you remember last week I read that scripture to you? No Moabite is to enter the assembly of Israel for 10 generations. That's what the rule was. But listen to what Moses never said. Moses never said that an Israelite can never enter the assembly of the Moabites. That's not what he said. He said that the Moabites may not enter the assemblies of Israel. He never said that Israel could not enter the assembly of Moab. This conclusion may be deduced from Moses' words, but Moses never specifically said that. The Israelite society in which Naomi and Elimelech lived, they deduced that. But just because it seems to be a logical conclusion does not make it true. Moses never said that. Moses never said that an Israeli cannot go and live in Moab. He never said that. It is Naomi's misinterpretation of the scripture that is causing her so much pain. So then maybe Elimelech never actually sinned at all. Maybe that's the case. Maybe he didn't sin by taking his family from Israel to Moab. And maybe his boys didn't sin either when they married Moabite women. Maybe they didn't sin either. What I am saying to you today is that very, very often, guilt accuses us of things that God does not. Hmm. Very often, guilt depends on misunderstanding of the scripture and man-made codes of ethics and morality to bring charges against us, extra-biblical charges, charges that are not found in scripture. And God has not even spoken on the issue. But guilt writes its own Bible, and then wants to punish you when you do not live up to its standards. But brothers and sisters, we are not called to live up to the standards of our conscience. We are called to live by the standard of God's word. I exhort all of us today to examine ourselves, to distinguish between negative feelings of guilt that only lead to debilitating regret, to distinguish between that and true Holy Spirit conviction, which always leads to repentance and which always leads to freedom. If you're feeling bad about something that you've done, if you're feeling bad about something that you've said, I challenge you to examine and to analyze your feelings. To see if your negative feelings about yourself are coming from conviction of the Holy Spirit, or if it's just your guilt abusing you, taking advantage of you. If your negative feelings about something that you've said and something that you've done are not leading you to repent before God, then that is not Holy Spirit conviction. That is guilt, seeking to be your judge, seeking to punish you. Holy Spirit conviction always leads to repentance, always leads to To freedom and never to more and more bondage only guilt does that so if you find yourself today belittling your own self if you find yourself today doubting yourself and having an overall negative view of yourself my advice to you is to stop listening to yourself and open yourself up again to the love of God. A love that does not change. A love that will not falter. You do not deserve to be punished. You do not deserve to be isolated. You do not deserve to be demoralized no matter what you've done. God's only desire for you is that you would be free. Free from sin, free from fear, and free from feelings of guilt. And finally, if you are feeling guilty and you are not yet delivered from these negative feelings of guilt, I exhort you again to refrain from making life-changing decisions until you have been restored to biblical sanity. Stop drawing conclusions and stop making decisions while you're suffering under the strain of guilty feelings. Because guilty feelings will not yield positive results. God's love for you is greater than any wrong that you have done. And I counsel you today to simply repent, to turn around, to agree with God that what you have done is wrong. What you have done is sin. To bring your sins before the Lord Jesus Christ and confess your sins. And the Bible says, if you confess your sins, that Jesus Christ is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins, and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've already done this, which I believe most of you will have by this time, if you've already done this, then you can ignore your feelings of guilt. You can dethrone your guilty feelings. They are not your God. If you have repented, there is peace between you and God. He has cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. But it's not just that. Maybe you haven't sinned. Maybe you just feel like a failure. Maybe you just feel bad about yourself for whatever the reason may be. Because of weight or because of education or because of financial security, whatever the reason may be. God loves you. And God is not expecting any more of you than you are able to give. I'll tell you something else. God is able. God is able to cause you to prosper and to have an abundant life. And no matter what you are, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, God is able to make up the difference between every one of your character flaws, every one of your weaknesses, every one of your idiosyncrasies, God is able to make up the difference. You are not alone. Your God stands with you in this hour to love you and to nurture you, to grow you and to develop you. Don't allow your guilty feelings, your negative thoughts about yourself to make you become stagnant. Move forward in the will of your God. Listen to the voice of God in Scripture. Pray and commune with God every day. Resist your negative feelings and resist the desire to harm yourself. Resist it with everything that you have. If you need to call somebody, call somebody. If you need help to make it through, call somebody. Get with a friend. Get with a group. Don't isolate yourself. Don't allow your own guilty feelings to be your only counselor. It does not end well when we do that. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, you have no right to judge yourself. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Not you, I will repay. And the thing about it is, when God wants to repay, If God decides to discipline you, God actually knows how much you can bear. You don't. And so it's never a good idea for you to attempt to bring judgment on yourself because you and guilt will always take it way too far. Love yourself. And after you love yourself, then love your neighbor as yourself. But love you. Keep your head up. Be sincere. Be pure of heart. And do your best. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. <laughs> You may stand crooked, you may walk with a limp, but having done all to stand, stand. And stand on the promises of God. The God who says, my thoughts for you are thoughts of peace and not to do you harm, and to give you an expected end. Freedom. In whom the Son has set free, is free indeed. Let's pray. Father God, you know every heart, you know every one of our thoughts. And this morning we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit to be examined. And if you find anything in our hearts that is not like you, we pray that you would forgive, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray this morning, Lord God, for our congregation, for this family, this body, of believers and all of those who are watching. That you would give us freedom, freedom to enjoy our lives, freedom to love ourselves, freedom from our own negative feelings of guilt and shame. freedom to walk in newness of life. Father, with all we have, we love you. With all we have, we desire you. More than our necessary food. We pant after you and we search for you with our whole heart. but guilt is holding us back. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would break the bonds of guilt this morning over every soul who is being held captive. I pray, Lord God, for deliverance. I pray that you would rescue each and every one who has been imprisoned by their own negative thoughts and feelings about themselves. Set the captive free. Open every blinded eye. In Jesus' name, Amen.